Blog Talk Radio. to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Michael Carter joining you here this evening. Uh, we had a little bit of a technical glitch earlier tonight where our show did not go out live as scheduled. However, we do have the show live for you. It'll be coming up here in about 30 seconds. And uh, it was a great show. We're going to talk with Ellen Harvey as well as Garnett Barnsdale. We'll talk a little bit about the Breeders' Crown and uh, a lot of other fun stuff coming up here on the show. Again, it's Post Time with Mike and Mike, we're so glad to have you join us here uh, this evening. And, uh, again, we apologize for being late. However, I guess they say better late than never. We're about to go live with our show, uh, which was recorded in its entirety earlier uh, today. And uh, we hope you enjoy it. And it's going to be coming up right now. Uh, we won't leave you silent too long. It says it's processing the audio file, so we're going to give it a second to process. Again, we're going to talk with Ellen Harvey from the USTA. We'll talk with Garnett Barnsdale, and uh, we'll, uh, we're going to have a good time on the show here with Post Time with Mike and Mike. And the process, audio file still processing. Again, thank you to, thank you to everyone who, uh, who bared with us. And, uh, we're going to go ahead and get the show started right now. Good evening, folks, and welcome to uh, Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by uh, Friends of Maryland Standard Breads. I'm Mike Carter, and I'm joined tonight by Mike Bozitz. Mike, how are we doing tonight? And I'm here on time. Can you believe it? 
I can't believe it. He made it on time. He got through the technical stuff. Uh, we're in good shape. The technical red tape, as I like to call it. Mike, we've got a big show, uh, not only today, but coming up on Saturday, because Saturday is our official grand opening. And we've got wall-to-wall coverage of the Breeders' Crown. Uh, we're going to have a really, really a heartfelt segment on the pace for the cure, which occurred at Northfield Park, of course, uh, to raise breast cancer awareness. And we're going to hear from some of those participants, some of the uh, ladies that uh, drove in that particular race, as well as your thoughts also. So it's going to be a very big show coming up. It's the Saturday's grand opening of Post Time with Mike and Mike. Wall-to-wall coverage of the Breeders' Crown. Don't miss it. No, it's definitely not a show to miss. We're going to come on about 8 o'clock, and we'll stay on until 10 o'clock. Uh, we will be covering some of the bigger races, the three-year-old Colton Gelding Trot being one of them. And, of course, the race I know I can't wait for. It's Freaky Feet Pete versus Art Speak. And I'll tell you what, coming off of that victory last week, Freaky Feet Pete proved to me and I think to everybody else that he could perform. It's going to be very interesting, Freaky Feet Pete against the likes of uh, Art Speak and some of the other big dogs. But I'll tell you what, it's just one of many Terrific races. I mean, you've got Pinkman in action. How about the immortal foiled again? Everybody, and, you know, we thought this horse was done. Yannick Shingra, I went back to listen to some of the interviews that, that Yannick has done over the course of, of the last couple of years. And, Mike, even as long as three, four, or five years ago, they were talking about this horse being done for. And this horse continues to prove us wrong, continues to prove us wrong, and guess what? Wakes up. And uh, it looks fantastic in his last race. And uh, now he's uh, once again on the big stage right where he belongs. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be a fun, fun night. I think it's going to be a little warmer on Saturday. And we'll dive into the Breeders' Crown a little bit more later on. Right now, first, though, Mike, let's talk about Wiggle It Jiggle It. Wiggle It Jiggle It is back in the race at Hoosier Park on Friday. He's currently the number one ranked horse in harness racing. And he is not at the Breeders' Crown. Um, George Teague deciding not to pay the 62.5 to take Wiggle It Jiggle It to the Breeders' Crown. But he is in the Circle City Stakes for three-year-old Colton Geldings. And I'll tell you what, it highlights the card, and it looks like a pretty decent field. Yeah, it sure does. I mean, you have a horse in there called the Betting Exchange, who is certainly no slouch, who uh, you know started the year 0 for 7. But uh, from what I've read, trainer Tom Fanning, has uh, made some uh, equipment changes, and this horse has been better ever since. Coming off that 152 and four, uh, or excuse me, 154 and two qualifier at Pocono. You know, this horse is a New York Sire Stakes champion. The only problem is post nine. But if you want to talk about fate and irony, who is driving betting exchange? Trace Dietrich. That is a interesting thing, Mike. And I'm looking at the program for the Breeders' Crown. Is somebody else driving? Uh, Freaky Feed Pete? Well, no, this, this race is Friday, Mike. Oh, it's Friday. See, listen to me. I'm freaking, I'm a day behind. Okay, well, so you, the, the man trace teacher. I, you know what, Mike, I've got my technological issues, and, you know, and, and you've got your, your brain cramps every once in a while. <laughs> that, 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 that's right. I've lost days here. You know, it, it, betting exchange, I've seen him here at Buffalo. He raced very well. He can get over any sort of a racetrack. He's made $430,000, only second only to Wiggle It Jiggle It in the field. It's definitely going to be a good race, but Wiggly Jiggly has seemed to like Hoosier Park, and uh, there's no show wagering. We want to point that out uh, in this race. Well, there you go. There, you just lost your $2 wagering opportunity, Mike. But, uh, Man, I'll you, tell you. <laughs> you know, uh, 
here, here's the thing about wiggle and jiggle. And, and, you know, you, you might ask yourself why you didn't plunk the 62.5 down to the U.S. supplement to the Breeders' Crown. But, you know, this Indiana program, and we talked to Emily Gasket about this last time, is so, so good. And uh, wiggle and jiggle is also uh, confirmed for the Monument Circle. It's another $275,000 race that's coming up October 30th. So, you know, wiggle and jiggle, not only can this horse compete in the Circle City, and uh, certainly win or come close, probably win. And then right, right there for Monument Circle going for $275,000. You know, it's a big testament to how far the Indiana program has come. And, uh, you know, we talked to Emily Gasket about that, and she certainly mentioned it that, you know, this Indiana program is uh, quickly rising to uh, the top, Mike. Yeah, it is, definitely, and you know who I would love to see out there? I think we're going to see another Freaky Feet Pete versus Wiggly Jiggling in that race, so that could definitely turn into something uh, a lot bigger than what it currently is, even with Wiggly Jiggling there. It's going to be a rivalry, and uh, let me tell you, this sport board needs it, no question about it, but it's going to be a fantastic race. You know, it's a, it's a once again, it's a big weekend for harness racing. Friday, you have Wiggly Jiggling. Also Friday, Mike, if I could switch gears yeah, for course. a moment, um, you know, we talked about the uh, segment for the Pace of the Cure, which uh, we're going to have on this grand opening show Saturday, but uh, Yonkers is also uh, doing a race for the Cure, and that is coming up this Friday as well, and uh, they're going to be doing some fundraising, and their fundraising is going to benefit the Frisco, Texas-based National Breast Cancer Foundation. They're uh, selling raffle tickets. They have been for the last little but they will continue to do so. And it's going to be some great prizes that they're giving away. Um, so, you know, once again, we talked about the uh, the great cause of breast cancer awareness. You're going to hear more about that on our Saturday show. But uh, it's good to see Yonkers. And I think Pompano also uh, got in on the mix as well. And this thing going back to Yonkers, drivers are going to have pink whips. They're going to have pink blankets to the winners. Uh, so it's going to be a big thing. And, uh, you know, if you're in the area, definitely go on out to Yonkers Friday night as uh, they race for the cure for breast cancer awareness. I'll tell you, I called the race at Northfield Park on Friday. And, Mike, to see all the women in the winner's circle with smiles on their faces and, you know, just really excited to um, – trying to think of how to put this – really excited to support the cause was just an unbelievable feeling. So – definitely going to be a uh, it's going to be a good race at Yonkers and uh, I would expect nothing less out of those guys especially coming off of the international trot uh, just a couple of short weeks ago um, real quick Mike uh, speaking of race calling you got to call George Napolitano Jr.'s record-breaking win last night at Pocono uh, what was that like well it was quite interesting I mean coming into it you know we needed six to tie and seven to win and uh, you know to ask any driver we all know George Napolitano Jr. Wins and wins and wins and wins and wins and wins and wins. Um, but still, uh, you know, to ask a driver to come out and win seven races, um, you know, I, I kind of thought, well, he might get three or four or five and he might get close. But but uh, anyway, he did it. He uh, seven wins, gave him 348 total. It is the single season record for wins uh, in the 50-year history at uh, Pocono Downs. And it was set in 2004, 347 by... George Napolitano Jr. He broke his own record. You, you know, Mike, it's his fourth straight driving crown there. It's, uh, you know, the ninth of all time. And if you look at the national dash title standings 
Aaron Merriman has a five-win uh, lead. So he's got 680. George Napolitano Jr.'s got 675. And Ronnie Wren Jr.'s got 654. So even on a national uh, uh, dash title circuit, George Napolitano Jr. is only five away from Aaron Merriman. So that's going to be an interesting storyline uh, coming up throughout the remainder of this year, too, Mike. Yeah, definitely. Who knows? Maybe we'll see uh, Georgie Knapp at uh, Sports Creek Raceway at the end of the... Oh, well, I guess you won't see him at Sports Creek because, well, Sports Creek's not around, but uh, maybe we'll see him uh, at Northfield or some of those other tracks that race year-round. Well, you know, here's the thing. If George Napolitano Jr., this guy is a worker, let me tell you. If he could find a track that actually had a post time between Harris, Philadelphia, and Pocono, he would probably try to fit those couple drives in there. I mean, this guy, you know, listen, I made that drive once, and here's what I did. I went to Pocono, called the races last night, and I drove back. I actually stayed overnight, drove the next morning to Harris, Philadelphia. So I had 30 races span of 24 hours. I just had to basically sit on my rear end and call, okay? And I only did it one time, and I'll tell you what, I might fall asleep during the show, Mike. You might have to wake me up if I don't, if if, uh, <laughs> if you don't hear me talking for a couple of minutes. But the, these guys, they do it on a daily basis, nearly. Um, and I know Pocono went, went uh, down, uh, they lost, well, they, they cut a day out of their schedule, so now they're going three days in, in Harris, Philadelphia, they're going to four. But, I mean, to be back at Harris, Philly the next morning, go to Pocono at night, and Pocono, you know, last night they had 16 races, so, I mean, they weren't done to close to 11. And then to come back to Harris, Philadelphia the next morning, then go back the next night, it's, it's, and, and that drive on the, on the Pennsylvania Turnpike is <laughs> treacherous. God forbid if there is ever a situation where the weather is an ideal right. because that dr- that road is narrow, very narrow. They constantly do construction on it, and uh, you know when you're trying to pass a truck, the wall that divides the uh, traffic going both ways, there's just no shoulder. So I mean, it is it is a, a drive that you really can't zone out on. You really have to pay attention to. So hats off to these guys that do this pretty much on a daily basis. Definitely. Uh, Mike, we're going to switch gears one more time and uh, talk about Rosecroft for a moment. The other night, they had a horse pay $745 to win. Now, for those of you who are new to harness racing, that means that that horse was 372.5 to 1. That is unbelievable. $3 to win, I think, was bet on him. So, you know, so I can't say that I had 20 on it? No, you can't say you had 20 on it, Mike. Gee. Well, you know what? That's not the record, surprisingly. That's a very high win and you, a win price, and you don't see that very often. But that is not the record. I looked it up, and the oh. actual record is $1,365 to win. It was uh, at Scarborough Downs. It was actually the first race, kind of like Rosecroft, 1981, and the horse's name was, uh, I think it's Ro- Rod's Faybill, if I... Uh, Rod's Fayville, R O D S F A Y B I L L. He certainly paid some bills, some bills that day for some what, people. What, what, are you, what are you doing here? Becoming the Hollywood Hayden of our post time with Mike and Mike show? I, I'm trying. It's very tough. <laughs> well, Mike, uh, we are going to play an interview here. Uh, you had the pleasure of speaking with Ellen Harvey earlier, didn't you? I did. Ellen Harvey, um, there was an article on the USGA that came out within the last couple of days 
And uh, the USDA has a program, and it's called Support Our Standardbreds, SOS uh, for short, which is aptly named. And uh, this program recently donated funds to a program in Florida called the Starting Gate Standardbred Transition Program uh, for the care of uh, 22 horses that were abandoned and who badly needed it. So we had a chance to talk to Ellen Harvey, Mike, about not only that particular deed that the Support Our Standard Bread program uh, did, but uh, what the Support Our Standard Bread program does uh, in general. And okay. uh, without further ado, Mike, if you're ready to play that video, let's hear from Ellen. Yeah, let's, uh, this is the interview between Mike Bozich and Ellen Harvey, uh, which took place uh, a little bit earlier today. Initially, but unfortunately, 
found themselves um, pretty quickly overwhelmed by all their needs. They also, unfortunately, and this is pretty common in Florida where it's very humid all the time and the horses had no shelter, they had rain rot, which is a bacterial skin infection and um, needs uh, quite a, nothing terribly uh, serious in terms of life-threatening, but it takes a lot of careful um, treatment in order to get rid of it. So they very quickly realized that they were in over their head, although they did provide a wonderful job in, in getting the horses into a secure situation and, and starting their care. So, um, <coughs> excuse me, through one of our USGA members who lives locally and was involved in helping the horses as well, just as an individual, Chrissy Daniel, she helped to make contact with this group in Ohio um, who have committed to taking on these horses and is uh, we're very happy to help them financially. Our donation will be enough to get them started. They're all going to need dental work. Their teeth have been neglected for some time. Um, their feet need some work. They have parasitic loads that need to be dealt with. They have missed a lot of vaccinations, and they need hundreds of pounds each. Um, so we can get them off to a good start, but they're hoping for some help from others um, who care about horses that want to help them with that, with that job that they have ahead of them. Ellen, talk a little bit. We, we talked a little bit off air about the uh, Full Circle program, which uh, sounds like just a, a terrific program. Talk a little bit about that, if you will. Yeah, Full Circle is also a USTA program. We actually were um, able to copy it, so to speak, from the American Quarter Horse Association, which is the largest registry of, of horses, I think, probably in the world. And our program, um, we've adapted it from the AQHA and it is a free program with no obligation that essentially puts two people with a shared concern about a horse together. Um, if you don't need to be an owner, a trainer, a driver, a breeder, you can be a fan in the stands. You can be the person that delivers hay to a farm and takes a liking to a particular horse. You can, for no money and with no obligation, record your name in that horse's database. If at some point down the road, five months or five years or 20 years, that horse is owned by somebody who can work with them or ends up with a horse rescue or adoption group or is at a grade sale or something along those lines. Anybody that looks that horse's horse up in our database on ustrotting.com will see a little icon next to their name that says full circle. And when you mouse over that, that tells you that somebody wants to know if this horse needs help. So we, um, at our registry, the USTA, puts the person who has the horse that needs help together with somebody from their past who wants to know if they need help. They uh, they work out whatever they want to work out. I mean, it has been anything from somebody uh, firing up the truck and, and hitching up the trailer and going to get the horse immediately to perhaps providing some temporary financial assistance, perhaps networking that horse's needs uh, among their friends. As I say, we, we don't really have a stake in what goes on after those two people are put together. Those folks are welcome to work out whatever they like. But we're, I'm happy to say we have over 6,000 horses enrolled in this program, and the number climbs on a regular basis. And it's more than any other registry um, has combined. The Thoroughbreds have a similar program called Thoroughbred Connect. Um, the Morgans have a program, the Saddlebreds. The Tennessee Walkers are talking about trying to put it together, but... If you add up all the horses they have enrolled, it's not anywhere near what we have. So I'm very proud of that. Now, Ellen, if uh, one of our listeners uh, would like to donate to one of these causes in any way, shape, or form, tell them how they could do so. 
Well, the, uh, the folks at Starting Gates are in Xenia, Ohio. <laughs> Their website is Starting Gates, G-A-I-T-S, just like the gate of a horse, dot com. And I'll tell you, my these horses need a lot of groceries. Um, good alfalfa hay is the basis of a recovery diet for a horse who has been um, uh, nutritionally deprived for a very long time. And they are headed into winter as well, and um, the horses have to consume a lot of calories. Even a healthy horse has to consume a lot of calories to keep themselves healthy um, and warm over the course of the winter. But these horses don't have that body fat available, so they're moving from Florida to Ohio in November, so they are really going to need blankets over the course of the winter. So um, folks who may live near Xenia or want to buy a blanket and have it, it shipped there, they are certainly very, very happy to have blankets for these fellas over the winter. And uh, donations of cash and or hay are certainly welcome. They're, they're eating every minute they're away, I'm told. They're starting to do a little bit of trotting around and a little bit of nickering. The, the first week or so, they were uh, kind of flat and dull, but now they're, they're perking up and, and uh, much happier to be uh, alive and trotting around. Well, Mike, that was uh, the interview with Ellen Harvey, and I'll tell you, they're doing a wonderful, wonderful thing there. Yeah, they sure are. If you get, if you get a chance, uh, check them out at startinggates.com. Uh, I believe the website is uh, they're in Xenia, Ohio, and uh, check them out on the web uh, for more information on how you can donate to such a great cause. But, you know, on the lighter side, one thing, Mike, that uh, strung out to me in that interview is uh, the big hearts of people that have made this possible and you know that have donated and uh that have basically get a tragic situation and have made it better right and uh you know what she said uh the fact that uh, these horses are they're starting to eat and they're eating every pretty much waking hour every minute of the day it kind of reminds me of me mike <laughs> me too apparently <laughs> but anyway it's a great cause check them out uh, startinggates.com. Uh, if that's not the actual website, search them on the web, and uh, believe me, it's a great, great cause. You won't be disappointed. All right. Well, uh, Mike, we're uh, we're a little bit ahead of schedule, so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, my buddy and Mike's buddy, uh, Garnett Barnsdale, will be joining the show, and he'll be discussing the Breeder's Crown as well as some of the ways the track might be playing. He's also got his live long shots and his favorite for you. That's coming up after the break here on Blog Talk Radio. It's post time with Mike and Mike. We'll be back in just a moment. Oh, 
Post Time with Mike and Mike, Michael Carter and Mike Bozich, joined right now by Garnett Barnsdale. And uh, Garnett, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Mike. It's uh, Michael's pleasure to be on. Well, uh, Garnett, first, uh, before we dive into the Breeders' Crown here, uh, tell our listeners what you do exactly. We know you write for DRS, but uh, give them a little insight as to where they can find your picks. Yeah, yeah I write the uh, daily uh, analysis and selections for the Woodbine and or Woodbine or Bullhawk, whichever track happens to be going, for uh, DRF.com, and you can find it on the DRF.com website. Uh, if you, there's a harness page there. And also every Saturday night, um, we have a live feed from various tracks, and uh, I, I provide the uh, content for that. And it's kind of like, um, you know, kind of giving a little bit of insight into what's going on, maybe how the track's playing or certain horses that we think might be overlays or good bets or, uh, you know, uh, pick four tickets with analysis, that kind of thing. Um, that's every Saturday night, and that would be found at DRF uh, Live, DRF.com, and there's a hardest live page there. Awesome. Well, uh, Garnett, you are the WEG expert for DRF. Tell us a little bit, we switched from Mohawk to Woodbine. Tell us a little bit about how the track's been playing, and how did that compare to the eliminations last week? Well, uh, uh, first of all, I'd just like to point out that there's a bit of a common misconception that uh, Woodbine is a track that plays more to speed than Mohawk, and that's really not true. Uh, there are, you do see several wire-to-wire winners at Woodbine, but I think, um, especially at this meet, the, you know, the, the misconception also goes down to the drivers, because you see a lot of quarters, I don't know if you've been paying attention, Michael, but yeah. there's a lot of quarters that have been going at 25 and change the first quarter as they rocket out of there to try to get position, and it's been costing a lot of horses uh, in the stretch. Woodbine has a really long stretch, a little bit longer than Mohawks, and, you know, it can be very painful if you're if you're on the lead and there's a horse inching up, and you think you're going to win, and they nail you at the wire, but uh, one thing I found very interesting about last week's race is they seem to be playing more so to closers than, than is even normal. I think there was only two horses on last Saturday's card that were on the lead at the half that actually won the race. But some of the other things you need to consider is um, in these Raiders crowd races, the eliminations, some of these races are being won by, you know, horses that absolutely figured to win. Like, for example, Freaky Pete Pete goes first up and wins uh, with a 26-2 last quarter. Um, Solar Sister, the Ontario Fred, who just won the Super Final, she went first up and won. I mean, she absolutely figured up on four. Um, then there was uh, Divine Caroline, who came off second over cover, but she absolutely
about this elimination where Flicky beat Pete. He, he, in my opinion anyway, drew into a little bit of an easier race. Would you agree with that, minus Reverend Handover? You know, I, I do, but then it didn't actually play out that way because uh, the, the, they went to the half eight, eight ticks faster, a minute three seconds faster. Right. They went to the three quarters two seconds faster. So on paper, it seemed to be easier based on the, the you know the, the stock that was in the race. But um, I mean, he had to chase a much faster pace and easily went by the leader, despite the fact that the last quarter was a twenty-six and four. He, you know, he made him look like he was standing. Kind of 
back to post time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter again joined by Mike Bozich and uh, Mike I'll tell you what there's a lot of good information from Garnett. Well you know what Mike he mentioned three words that I'm going to try to live by on this previous crowd. Don't be cute. Right. I mean there Mike there are a couple of horses that are going in the previous crowd races that are just too darn good. I mean you know Southwind Frank for one. Just too darn good. You know, pure country, maybe. Just too darn good. And I think it's our natural reaction, as gamblers, to try to beat them. And, you know, a lot of times, you just can't. Mike, you mentioned a good point. You know what? Take your chances with exactors, triactors up in Canada, trifectas here. (laughs) And uh, that's the way maybe you should approach this. Not every race, of course, but some of those races that you've, you've had horses that have been sharp throughout and are only getting sharper and only getting more dominant as time goes on, ride those horses and don't bet them to lose today. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's going to be a good uh, good night. Now, Mike, uh, I went through a couple of the replays, and, um, you know, there were some horses that got some really tough trips, and I have to say Artspeak was one of them. Artspeak had a really, really tough trip in the elimination. I'll tell you what, I don't know how the heck Zeron got, <laughs> got off like you did, but he come up on the outside and closed very strongly. Did you know notice any other horses that may have had a, a troubled trip at all? Well, you stole my thunder. Oh no, simply, I'm sorry. You, you, you simply stole my thunder. I mean, that was a, a horse that was, you know, on the top of the list. But to be quite honest, you know, there's always a way, and we talked about it just a couple of seconds ago, and we've got the Breeders' Cup coming up too. And, you know, when you look at these, I mean, I think you're enamored by the pick fours, the pick fives, the big pools, the low takeouts, things like that, where, you know, the gambler instinct in you really wants to make a score. And the truth is, is that the proof is in the pudding, as my grandmother used to like, <laughs> used to say. And, you know, and I'd honestly, I've watched these replays, and I've watched a lot of these replays, and besides the horse that you just mentioned, and, you know, maybe some have others. You know, the good thing about replays is it's like reading a newspaper. You know, you can have five different people look at it and come up with five different things. But what I see on these replays after watching them is I see what the proof is in the pudding. The dominant horses dominate. The good horses perform well, not well enough to win. And, you know, some of the horses are simply outmatched. So I am taking a very ABC approach, Mike, a very ABC approach into this card, and I'm going to try to attempt to make a couple of bucks on the bottom end of maybe not obvious winners, maybe obvious is too strong of a word, but probable winners, so to speak. Right, and uh, we're, we're going to give out, me and Mike, we're going to put together some 20-cent pick five, some 20-cent pick four tickets. Uh, maybe even a 20-cent pick six, and we're definitely, Mike, going to put out a high-five ticket, the super high-five in race 13, over $500,000 in the carryover pool, and they will pay it out on Saturday night, and uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. But um, another horse I want to mention with a troubled trip was Classic Martine. 
Uh, Classic Martin in the first race on Saturday. It's the Open Mare Breeders' Crown Final. These uh, mares did not have to race into um, in a, from an elimination. And Classic Martin raced back on October the 17th, just uh, five days ago, and was parked to the half, eight and a half lengths behind, okay? At the three-quarter pole was four and a quarter lengths, excuse me, not parked, first over, was first over, was still two and three-quarter lengths behind, and still managed to win by a net. I'll tell you, that was a monster, monster drive uh, by Tim Tietrich, and you can never class, ca- count out Classic Martin. Classic Martin's a terrific horse. Um, but, you know, I don't think she was as good as she was as a four-year-old. She's still a terrific horse, and obviously that was a fantastic effort. But, now, in a race like this, scratch what I just said about uh, about a minute ago. Because I, I, think, I think in a race like this, Mike, I want a horse that has been hanging around, that has been close, close but no cigar. Can I guess? But, but could be in a position, could be in a position to win at a price. Go ahead. Oh, well, you said at a price. Never mind. I, I'm thinking you're going to go with, like, uh, DeWan. <laughs> Mike, you got to give me a little bit more credit than that, my friend. Come on. DeWan's, DeWan's been dominant. I mean, you know, she beat Be a Magician twice, and she's been good, except for the, the, the time that she broke one, resolved one. How about a horse like Charmed Life? Okay. Now, how about a horse like this? Now, now, here's my angle on this, okay? Approaching a million dollars in career earnings, okay? So she's got the overall creds, and she's been there, been there. Not at the bit, she hasn't gotten to the winner's circle, but she's been there. And she finished a good closing third last time, the length and a quarter of the time before that. If you just go back, she's been right there. And this is a horse that I believe can take advantage what could be an over-aggressive pace. She's sitting right there from post four, which you know is one of the best posts to have at Woodbine or a bigger track, okay? So if she comes off the pace, there's a very good chance she could be second or third over. And if the pace setters, or in this case, I guess you could say trot setters, <laughs> if they are a little bit eager in the beginning, she is a horse that can easily pick this field off at the right price. Well, okay. Well, you know what? It's going to be interesting to see what Charm Life goes off at uh, tomorrow. I'm going to assume, and you know, it's bad to assume, but I'm going to think that this horse is probably going to be seven, eight to one, maybe. Well, or maybe more than that. I mean, here's my thing: if you've got Shake and Carry, obviously she's a fantastic horse. Don't get me wrong. Right. But she certainly is not as good as she was at three. There's no secret about it. She's not as good as she was at three. Okay. No. So, I mean, fifteen to seventeen as a three-year-old, three of thirteen this year. Okay. So she may get a lot of sentimental backing. Um, you know, D1 has been solid, has been great, has been good, no question about it. But uh, you know, I mean, she can she can face a tough, uh, a tough, uh, some tough early pressure because you have to figure that that she's going to leave. And uh, you've got a couple of outside levers, and as well as Classic Martine from the inside. So this early tempo can get juicy, and if that's the case. A horse that has been finishing second, third, or fourth, consistently making money, a lunchbox type of horse, can be the one to surprise. And, you know, listen, if Charmed Life doesn't win, I would certainly, absolutely, if you don't think she can win, I would definitely put her in underneath. No question about that. Now, Mike, uh, it's worth noting here that Handover Bell 
even though that handover bell will wear saddle pad number 10, handover bell will start from post position 11 behind Rockin' with Dewey. So uh, that could definitely make things uh, a little bit more interesting as well. Well, you don't see second through starters every day at Woodbine, that's for sure. But, yeah, this horse, uh, I mean, he's got early speed. And, once again, I it's kind of going to be a victim of that because if the early speed doesn't hold up, then uh, I think she's in a lot of trouble. But if it does hold up, she could definitely round out the ticket somewhere. Okay, now we've got about eight more minutes, Mike. I want to skip ahead a couple of races to the three-year-old Philly Trotters. It's a field of seven, including Mission Brief, um, Danielle Hall, Wild Honey. A lot of these uh, fillies have been going at it all season long. And I'll tell you, Mission Brief has been hit or miss, so to speak. Mission Brief has won eight starts this year, and people are going to say, what do you mean hit or miss? Eight wins this year, that's that's huge. Well, I'll tell you what, this horse lost to Wild Honey last time out, and I'm telling you, I'm picking Wild Honey again. I think Wild Honey has gotten a lot better. Wild Honey gets over this Mohawk track well, and I think Mission Brief is going to be, you know, one to nine, one to five. If that's the case, why take that price when this horse has known been known to break before here at Mohawk? Well, I think. Excuse me. I'm sorry. It would bite. It, it would bite, right? I think the question is, Mike, is what kind of question? Why? Uh, what kind of trip rather is Wild Honey going to get? I mean, if you guarantee me the trip that she's going to get la- that she got last week, then I'm absolutely on board. But if you can't guarantee me the trip that she that she got last week, then I'm a little hesitant. I mean, you know. But I will tell you one thing: if you look three starts back, this horse was was uh, had just a terrible trip in the Elegant Image, terrible trip, and still finished second to uh, Mission Brief. So this is a great matchup. Once again. Let's echo the words of our good friend Garnett Barnsdale. Don't get cute. This race revolves around Wild Honey and Mission Brief, or Mission Brief and Wild Honey. There's no other two ways around it, and uh, unless somebody breaks, which, of course, you know, that's always a possibility, but uh, I don't think so. I think this is Wild Honey, Mission Brief, Mission Brief, Wild Honey, and I think, like you said, Mike, you have to take the value. Wild Honey beat her before, and if the value, uh, you know, says that you got to wage your wild hunting, then that's the way you got to go. Me, personally, I think Mission Brief wins the race, but, I mean, what I say, and as a gambler, and how you have to make money, are definitely two different things. Definitely. Well, um, Mike, we got about five minutes left. Uh, I'll tell you what, this hour has flown by, and... Uh, we're going to talk. Let, we're going to close up the program and talk a little bit of our, about our Breeders' Crown show coming up on Saturday. Now, Mike, we're going to start at eight o'clock and we're going to go through until ten o'clock. We are going to miss the Foiled Again uh, race, one of the bigger races on the card. However, we are going to highlight all twelve of these championship races uh, at some point or another on Saturday. Now, obviously, we won't be on the air for the early ones, but we will recap those and highlight the ones coming up. Right. It's a yeah, it's a terrific uh, night of racing. You know, plus we'll probably throw some wiggle and jiggle talk in there because uh, wiggle and jiggle races on Friday, so uh, you know we'll know exactly what wiggle and jiggle has done there. Um, but the, uh, these are really some fantastic races. These are great races, and even kind of the one-sided races. I mean, the races like the Southwind Front or maybe the Pure Country. You know, some of the horses that or some of the races that you think may be decided here on paper. Um, even if they are, you get to see some very special horses. And uh, it's a really a great, great night of racing. I mean, obviously, you know, we kind of hoped that L.A. Delight would be here. We kind of hoped that, that uh, Wiggle It, Jiggle It would be here. But you know what? It's still a fantastic night of racing. 
with some fantastic horses. And uh, not only that, but we also have, uh, if you didn't hear us in the beginning of the program, a segment on the pace for the cure, which occurred at Northfield Park. Uh, and we're going to hear from some of the drivers of that race. Um, we're going to hear from Hannah Miller, Tabby Kennard, Mary Burkhold, and uh, hopefully some of the others. And uh, we're going to hear your thoughts, too, uh, Mike, on uh, what had to be a very emotional race for you to call. And uh, and I know I said this, and I don't want to sound like a broken record. I said this in the beginning, but they're also doing this at Yonkers, too, uh, on Friday, October 24th. So they're doing it tomorrow night. Um, and uh, they're going to do some fundraising. The drivers are going to have pink whips, uh, pink blankets to the winners. It's going to be a great, great success. And I'm so glad, Mike, so glad that Harness Racing is bracing, or excuse me, not bracing, but embracing is what I meant to say. I'm glad Harness Racing is embracing uh, this terrific, terrific uh, charity and uh, an opportunity to make lives better. Uh, for some people, Mike. No, I totally agree, and uh, you'll you'll hear it on Saturday. I'm not going to give it away here that uh, I, I've had to deal with the personal experience myself. So uh, it, it's definitely uh, going to be a great show, and that part I cannot wait for myself. Well, well, let me interrupt you, Mike. Let me interrupt you. And I probably shouldn't be saying this, but I, I did this segment. I put it together, and I interviewed you. Uh, for the segment, kind of like an interview. It wasn't really an interview, but I, I, I put you on tape and put this segment together. And I got to tell you, Mike, I had to stop a couple times. I mean, I really had to stop a couple of times, and I let my wife hear it, and she had to stop in the middle of it a couple of times. So, wow. in other words, you don't you don't want to miss it. Uh, it's an emotional piece. It was emotional for me to put together. I know, Mike, it had to be emotional for you, not only one, to call it, but two, to comment on it. Right. And it was certainly emotional for, uh, you know, some of the people I interviewed. So, nonetheless, it's a great, great segment, and I'm so glad that our sport, and I'm so proud, Mike. Yeah, definitely, me too. Standing up for uh, something of this magnitude. It, it makes, there are, listen, there are moments, and I'm, I'll be the first to say it, there are moments where I'm disappointed in our sport. This isn't one of them. I'm very, very proud that our sport is doing something for a very honorable cause. Well, Mike, uh, we're about out of time. Uh, we will see everybody on Saturday. Uh, we're going to be on at 8 o'clock. You can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. And uh, we'll be commenting back and forth uh, as the Breeders' Crown races go on. And, uh, Mike, it's going to be a good time, and uh, we'll see you back on Saturday. Great weekend for Harness Racing. I'm looking forward to it. And we will see you Saturday at 8 p.m. Don't be late. Don't get shut up.